Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to everyone listening, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 16 of the Well-Read Podcast. For those of you who are new here, welcome. I am your host, Megan Bierke, a.k.a. The Real Bookish Writer. I am a reader, writer, bookseller, book festival goer, and I am and always have been obsessed with genre fiction. In this episode, there will be two segments. The first is a review section of the books I've read in the past week, and the second consists of a new author interview. So let's dive in. The first book I read was Ava Reed's YA Fantasy, A Study in Drowning. Effie Sayer has always believed in fairy tales. Haunted by visions of the fairy king since childhood, she's had no choice. Her tattered copy of Angerod, Emrys Meriden's epic about a mortal girl who falls in love with the fairy king, then destroys him, is the only thing keeping her afloat. So when Meriden's family announces a contest to redesign the late author's estate, Effie feels certain it's her destiny. But musty, decrepit Hiraith Manor is an impossible task, and its residents are far from welcoming, including Preston Hellery, a stodgy young literature scholar determined to expose Murden as a fraud. As the two rivals piece together clues about Murden's legacy, dark forces, both mortal and magical, conspire against them, and the truth may bring them both to ruin. I've been a fan of Ava's ever since The Wolf and the Woodsman, and I've been so excited to finally read her venture into young adult fantasy. And I was not disappointed. First of all, I'm still new to the dark academia world, and it's because of books like this why I'm becoming more and more a fan. Secondly, this book has stayed with me. There are a lot of books that I read immediately after I finish them. I'm immediately on to the next one. But this book has continued to invade my mind, cause me to think and reflect, and somehow, days later, I think I love it more than when I finished it. Full of folklore and set in a Welsh-inspired fantasy world, A Study in Drowning is filled with sexism and academia, Views on how women are too frivolous and inconsequential, yet held responsible for the actions of the men who prey on them, and the influence writers have on their readers. This book is rich and lush, filled with redemption and empowerment, and is hopeful yet heartbreaking. It's one that will haunt you long after you finish. The second book was Red String Theory by Lauren Kung Jessen. When it comes to love and art, Rooney believes in signs. Most of all, she believes in the Chinese legend that everyone is tied to their one true love by the red string of fate. And that belief has inspired her career as an artist, as well as the large art installations she makes with red string. That is until artist block strikes and Rooney begins to question everything. But then fate leads her to the perfect guy. Jack is perfect. He's absurdly smart, successful, handsome, and after one enchanting New York night, under icy February skies and fueled by fried dumplings, all signs point to destiny. Only Jack doesn't believe. And after their magical date, it looks like they might be lost to each other forever, until they're given one more chance to reconnect. But can Rooney convince a reluctant skeptic to take a leap of faith? This book is such a beautiful love story about fate, soulmates, and leaps of faith. The way Justin weaves fate with science is utterly gorgeous, and it's filled with hope, charm, and wit. It and its characters are warm and complex, and it really is a beautiful love letter to choice. The last book I read was The Takeover by Kara Tanamachi. On Nami's 30th birthday, she's reminded at every turn that her life isn't what she planned. She's always excelled at everything, until now. Her fiancé blew up their engagement, her pride and joy, the tech company she helped found, is about to lose funding, and her sister Sora is getting married to the man of her dreams, and instead of being happy for her as she knows she ought to be, she's fighting off jealousy. Frustrated with her life, she makes a wish on a birthday candle to find her soulmate. Instead, the universe delivers her hate mate, Nami's old high school nemesis, Jay, the most popular kid in high school who narrowly beat her out for valedictorian. More than a decade later, Jay is still as effortlessly cool, charming, and stylish as ever, and to make matters worse, is planning a hostile takeover of her startup. Sharp elbows and even sharper banter ensue as the two go head-to-head to to see who will win this time. 
But when their rivalry ignites a different kind of passion, Nami starts to realize that it's not just her company that's in danger of being taken over, but her heart as well. I am obsessed with this book, and I will fully admit I read it in one sitting. The takeover is funny, sarcastic, witty, and mischievous. It's a great contemporary rivals to lovers where the insults and comebacks flirt the line between love and hate. The back and forth between the two is fun and contagious, and their chemistry is fantastic. There are pranks, intention, and competitiveness that fuels the story, but it doesn't feel gimmicky or too much. It's sexy and fun, and I honestly couldn't put it down. Thank you so much, Kara, for the advanced copy. I absolutely loved it. And the takeover is out January 30th. Well, that's it for this week's reviews, so let's move on to the interview portion of this episode. My guests today are the best-selling young adult and adult romance authors of 10 books with their 11th The Breakup Tour out January 23rd. Their young adult heist novel, Eris Takes All, is out on June 4th, and their first foray into fantasy, This Will Be Fun, which is written under their pen name E.B. Asher alongside Bridget Morrissey, is out in September. A married writing duo, they met and fell in love in high school before eventually attending Harvard and Princeton. They currently live in Los Angeles, where they continue to take inspiration from their own love story. Please welcome Emily Wiberly and Austin Sigmund Broca. Well, welcome, 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 you two. I'm so excited to chat with you both. Your books are freaking incredible. You have one of the most anticipated romances of 2024 coming out. Like I'm your books. It your books are amazing. And we'll get into that more later, but when I gush and geek out about it. But how are you two today? <laughs> we are good. I mean, we actually got our booster yesterday, so we're like a little bit tired, but Fortunately, we're doing our favorite thing, which yes. is talk about books. We're we're thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, it is it is truly a pleasure. Yeah, when I when I met you guys, uh, and I went down there and I was listening to you guys talk, I was like, oh my god, I have to ask them to be on the podcast. <laughs> I was so nervous to ask oh, you two. I was so nervous. I was like, we love we love talking. To yeah, we do. Yeah. I was like, these two, I love their books, but they're so busy, and I was my anxiety was. Thank you for saying yes, though. So one thing is that you two are married and you guys write together. Okay. Sure. How did you two become writers? Was it one person and then the other? Did you guys just co-decide to do it? How did that process work? How did it happen? Well, we've been together since we were in high school. So like in high school, like what I don't even, I didn't like have a vision of like what my future was going to look like. You were a little bit more interested in being a writer. You know, of some strike, yeah. I, I wanted to make sure I I did some kind of storytelling. It's really, you know, my mom's a children's librarian. And so, and so, you know, reading and loving stories, whether they're in movies or video games or books has always been a huge part of my life. And I knew it was something I wanted to do somehow. Yes. Um, and then we went to college and my parents are also writers and so that is part of why I didn't really think about it because I just didn't really want to do what they do um but I was really into YA books and um just like that was my escape in college and so I just I would write books or like work on things and then bounce ideas off with Austin and eventually one day I was like you know what like you have so many ideas and you, you're so helpful in this process. Like, what if we just did it together? Yep. And so we tried it out. You know, we kind of, we kind of tipped out into it backwards. We started um, where I would serve a little bit more of an editorial role and sort of structure stuff and polish up the prose. And then, it, you know, gradually it, it, uh, as, as we found that process working, 
which we were thrilled to find, you know, because that career much predated our own relationship by, you know, by five years or something. We were introducing some big new variable into the texture you mean of the relationship life predated our career. Yeah, pardon me for saying the opposite. Relationship predated the career. And so um, we, you know, we had to kind of figure out how to build it into our way of relating to each other. And it, it just kept working. Eventually, we started um, having more of a hybrid system where Emily focused a little bit more on structure and storytelling and I a little bit more on what was on the page, but we would often write everything completely together in one room, totally collaborative. And we found that it's very, I mean, writing is such a solitary thing. And so there's like a lot of advantages we find in having a co-author, but in specifically having that co-author be your spouse, it, we, when we are like busy with work, we are still together. We are still interacting and having conversations and feeling connected and so it's like we don't feel isolated when we're like really overwhelmed it actually brings us closer you know for me especially I I a lot of what we started writing and what we've now continued writing are, are not frankly books that I had picked up on my own and the truth is I love everything that Emily's interested in and so I flung myself headlong into learning about these genres and I am so glad that I did so so when you guys started writing together did you know that you wanted to write romance or was that something that just kind of developed um I I feel like always there was going to be like romantic plots like we started in contemporary YA so there was like there was always like a romance with like an HEA at the end but you know other like coming of age things and we fell in love in high school so it was like very easy for us to write about because that was like falling in love for us was high school and then as we got older and we were still writing YA we were a little bit like this isn't like how we are anymore. Like, what if we wrote about things a little closer to our own age and we are still in love and we are married and there are still stories to be told drawing from this part of our life as well. So how do you guys handle, because I'm currently in the process of writing a book, you know, we're okay. manifesting here, right? Hopefully yeah. future. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And like you said, it can be a very solitary thing. You sit down yeah. in front of a computer, you write everything. You know, my best friend, she's also a writer. And so we bounce ideas off each other and stuff. But how do you guys handle that process now? Now that you guys have obviously had several books published and especially when it comes to disagreements, because obviously just like in a long, especially in a long-term relationship, I've been with my boyfriend, we just celebrated 11 years. So there's yeah. a lot of disagreements and they, yeah. you know, they happen. How do you guys work through that in terms of writing and your characters and stuff? Because obviously there's got to be things that you guys don't automatically agree on all the time. All, all, yeah, <laughs> a, a lot of a lot of things. I mean, that's it. I, you know, I say I say it as a punchline, but also as an encouragement to anybody who's, you know, dealt with that in a co-writing relationship. We we disagree on on so many things. And so <laughs> we basically have to give and take. We kind of um let let each you know each other win one you know sort of an alternation um we sort of carve out some realms in which we you know each of us feels like the other has a little bit more expertise and, and a little bit more finesse and savvy and that's just based on five years of working together or however many it's been it's been more than however many it's been sort of ten sort of like you know remembering what somebody else does well and deferring to them in those particular spheres but it's it's a constant negotiation yeah and I mean it is I think a little like worse because we are in a relationship I feel like you know when we'll talk about how a collaboration with somebody else later less agreement just less disagreement happens 
in that co-writing relationship than happens in our own co-writing relationship. It's because we're That's so like, happens here. Yeah, we're so open with each other. We're able to just like say what's at the top of our mind. You know, like you are with like a person you live with. Like you'll just say like, "Hey, put, pick your sock socks up." Whereas <laughs> if your friend does that, you're not really gonna like call them out. You're just gonna be like, no. "Okay, do you be you?" And you know, speaking <laughs> in trope terms, like we're not really the the strong and silent and the firecracker. We're both very passionate people. We're fast talkers. We're you know aggressively interested in our own philosophies and I, I'm I'm really pleased at how that makes the books come out but yeah it's a fiery process <laughs> so how do you guys compartmentalize when you guys are fighting about something in your personal life and then you have to sit down and work on a project like do you, does it fuel you to write a better story do you guys say okay that's that's life this is work like how do you guys do how do you guys handle that I would say that most of our fights are about fighting. yeah there's not like, that much it, fighting it goes the opposite it. direction yeah. it's more about how okay. to okay. like writing. we finish writing and then we got to go to bed and yeah. not be angry at each other you know like it's that okay. that is more of it and we just you have to just take a you know a little bit decompress and then move on with your life because at the end of the day working is just not fun like it is sometimes writing feels great but most of the time it is it's not work. it doesn't feel great and so it makes you in a bad mood and it makes you grouchy and it makes you if you're tired we write you know a lot at night like and so it makes you quick to irritation yeah and so when the writing is done it's just kind of like yeah okay we did the hard thing like I'm sorry. I was being a butt about that. Like, can we just move on? That's always me talking. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I was a butt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, the, the other part of it is like, and this is, this I think has been a, a positive in our co-writing relationship. We both know that there's no walking out on the writing or the relationship. We both are equally committed to making sure the words get done as, as good as they can, even if they're fighting you know, never do we have these incidents where we just say, you know, the heck with it. I don't want to no, do this. There's anymore. no walk. We're married. There's no yeah. walking away. Like when you're in a serious relationship, one little thing isn't going to be the thing that that ends a relationship. And that that gives us the freedom to really be open with our ideas, because I know I can say I don't like that. And it's not going to result in anything drastic. And so at it's the end not of the personal. Day, it's not yeah. personal, too. It's not personal. And even frankly, even when it is personal, you know you're you're just wasting time by being angry and that's something everybody does but it's not like the solution is ever going to be stopping working on the project together so we we know we both know we have to we have to get to finding a way to make it work well so what does your writing process actually look like like because yeah. the books i've read from uh by you too there's dual POV. So like Austin, do you write the male perspective? Emily, do you write the female? How does that, how does that process work? I've always been interested in that. One might think that, but no, no. we don't, we don't do any of that at all ever. We, we both have equal um, purchase on the outlining and the voice of every character. And this is important to us. It permits us to think of the characters as people because you have to develop that character with enough precision and certainty that your counterpart can go pick that thread up and and render them just as well. You have to be clear in your own intentions with that character and it keeps the voices from being too jarly, jarringly dissonant. And so our process has shifted over the years. So it's like, there are two ways to answer this question, but like when we wrote, um, you know, Roughest Draft, Do I Know You and The Breakup Tour, we just, we wrote every word of that together. Yeah. We were sitting in the room and we were pitching sentences back and forth. 
as time has gone on and we've had too many fights and yeah. we have too many books, we have decided to shift the process a little bit more. We have to write a little bit faster and it's speaking out loud slows you down. Like, you know, it's like listening to an audiobook is slower than reading a book unless you crank that up and you can't speak ideas that fast. Right. You just can't. So go that fast. we now have shifted it more that I do an outline and like a zero draft that kind of comes in like, you know, 40% of a book. And then he comes in and does, fills it in and yeah. then I edit it. And then, so it's more of a it's very iterative. Board. Yeah. It's like the metaphor of the rocks in the jar. You, you put them in and then the jar is full and that's the first outline. And then you pour the sand in and that's my part. And then Emily <laughs> pours the water in and then the jar is full. That's so interesting. That's so <laughs> freaking cool. Yeah. Oh, damned. That's, that's such a cool, it is. It's a cool metaphor. And it's amazing that you guys are able to, I mean, I know you guys have been writing for a while now, but that you guys understand your weaknesses and your strengths, you know, individually. And you guys kind of fill things in as, you know, life changes and the yeah. writing process changes. I think a lot of people's process changes over time. So of course, like a co-writing process might change too, because people change and some people start out as right, people change, you know, not outlining and then they start outlining or they go the other way. Like, Part of it, like I, 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 frankly, I feel that I'm not as fluid just off the dome anymore. <laughs> it's getting old. It's just, yeah, it's just better <laughs> for me to have the page in front of me working, working heavily from a very tailored, very structured outline. It just makes me be my best me. Now, when you guys pitch ideas, um, you know, okay, so say your book is done and you guys are starting a new process. How do you guys come up with your characters, your plot? Do, you know, is it the same thing where you guys kind of play off of each other? Is yeah. it something where one of you is just like, I have this idea. This is, I really want to write this. I'm really excited for it. How do, how do you guys divvy up kind of those responsibilities of coming up with these things? Usually in terms of like the big ideas, that is like a collaborative process. Like yeah, Austin will say, I want to write. I think so like to talk about like the breakup tour. Yep. I want to say, so originally that you came to me and said, what if like a romance novelist yeah, this is interesting. Ha wrote about all her exes, like use them as inspiration in all of her books yeah. and then brought one or all of them on book tour with her yeah. as like a spectacle and I was like I like that but we just wrote a book about right. books like we can't we can't do that again and so we kind of like sat on that for a minute yeah and then I was like well what if it was inspired by like Taylor Swift or yeah. Phoebe Bridgers like more of like a yeah of a, a singer songwriter vibe and he was like I like that so and this it often is the way together. it goes like somebody comes up with like a structural concept which like typically is me and then the other of us comes up with like, who is the best person for that to happen to? And that is usually where you get a fully formed concept. Or like we have a YA book coming out next year that is um, it's a girl pulling a heist at her father's wedding. And Austin came downstairs and he said, or you text me and you're like, I want to do a YA book. Where a, a heist I didn't even say YA. You just said a heist at a wedding. Yeah. And I said, okay, what if it's her dad? Like, you know, what if it's somebody- That's so freaking cool. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it helps us, I feel like, to be able to, yeah. we push, we each push the idea further than if we were writing separately. It might've just stopped at that one point. Yeah, exactly. Because we think about it in slightly different ways. Yeah. So I got to ask how many projects, like, you know, say you got your, your document. Okay. And you're writing down all these ideas that you guys have come up with. Honestly, how many, how many do you have on there? 
Sorry to say, but <laughs> we, we like to come up with ideas. And so it's typically the case that every time we have to pitch something, we narrow it down to about three ideas from about six or seven ideas. And these are fully formed concepts, but not outline stories. And then stories. we'll pitch those ideas to our agent or editor and they, if we're lucky, pick one. Yeah. But sometimes they don't. And then you have to, we have to keep thinking. So we've gotten to the point where we can kind of recycle and use pieces that we liked from old ideas. Yeah, and yeah, like, how do we revive pieces of this that we liked? But there's a lot. Knowing that you guys each have your strengths and your own weaknesses, what would you say is the hardest part of writing a book? Hmm. It's different for each of us, I feel like. Yeah. For me, I mean, the, skills the hardest so. part is be, because it is a part that I generally do alone and on a very quick deadline is writing the synopsis. So it's like kind of breaking the book. Before we've written the book, when we've kind of gotten somebody on board with the idea, we write like a 10, 15 page uh outline of the book of basically having every scene in it and we send that for sign off and that is really hard it's really hard to come up with everything that's going to happen in the book in like a couple of weeks that is my hardest part and then when yeah. I finish that I feel like I've run a marathon and like I can't well I mean you have the synopses are insane they're so detailed <laughs> but I like, hate writing synopsis I hate it's it the, hate it's it. the worst that's why it's my least and favorite. Emily doesn't screw around they're very they're very fleshed out my my hardest is 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 you know dealing with the degree to which i am too particular about the pros and emma's gonna laugh or smile because she thinks i'm even more particular about the pros than i think i should be but even i can acknowledge that my, my professional training is as a journalist and a lawyer so i have a lot of very specific strictures about how to make language efficient and look aesthetic on the page and i believe in these things but sometimes i put the cart like way too far in front of the horse and make these strange contorted sentences and have, you know, choppy arrhythmic telegraphic sentences because I'm working way, way too hard to obey all my own idiosyncrasies. And it tends to be better when I have the ability to release my mind a little bit from those and then, and then carve it back, pull it back. And that's just a hard trick to pull. It's a hard thing to, yeah, to do. So I do have random side yeah. question. When you write your synopsis, and you submit it and it gets yeah. approved or whatever down the road, how much of that actually changes from your synopsis to your final book? Is it pretty little not very spot on? Like yeah. I will make adjustments because it's like, since I did it on such a tight timeline, sometimes things need a little bit more expansion to get from point A to point B. And like, you don't need all of that inside a synopsis to like explain like the beginning and the middle and the end of the story. But mostly it stays exactly. It is more a thing of like adding in pieces to help explain things rather than changing pieces, if that makes sense. Emily treats it, it kind of like a Rubik's cube. If she's got, if you've got one color, one square that's the wrong color, doesn't matter. You're still screwed. You haven't solved the Rubik's cube. And so once she's really got into it, the the visual metaphors today, it's helpful. It's one of my rules. Yes, <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> How has your guys's relationship? and your experiences together, how does that translate into your characters? Because the books I've read by you guys, they're your adult romances. There's couples in some way or another. How do you guys take, you know, your history and your wisdom from being together for so long and translate it into your characters? Because I'm, I want to say, this is my, this is my moment to gush. I told you I was going to have one of these moments. The way that you two write couple characters is better than any other author I've ever read in my entire life. Thank like, you. and people who are not 
who haven't been in a long-term relationship, I feel like could not write the idiosyncrasies of being in a long-term relationship <laughs> like you guys, because when I met you guys, I, I told you, you know, I, yeah. I'm going to full on admit this. I started crying when I was talking to you guys about this. I, the first book I read by you two was, do I know you? And it's about a husband and wife who let's just say they're not doing very well in their <laughs> relationship. Okay. And it's kind of a come to Jesus. Hey, we got to figure this out or we're done moment. And I read that during a rough part in my relationship with my significant other. Like I said, him and I just celebrated 11 years together. And the things that came up in the book and the things that you two discussed and wrote about, I was just like, oh my God, like this is exactly the shit, excuse <laughs> me, the shit that I'm freaking dealing with and that we're going through after having been together for so long. And it's, like I said, I've never... I've never read any other author's work where from that point in my life, like I was so affected it because it, it just, it hit all, you know, it was firing on so many cylinders. So Sorry. Much. I know, I know no, people can't see me, so but my hands are flying everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> my Italian hands are flying everywhere, but how do you, so how do you guys do that? How do you guys funnel that into your characters and make them so real? Well, thank you so much. Like seriously, it, it means a lot. And it's why we wrote the book. We yeah. felt like we yeah. weren't reading yeah. what we like. We were like, you know, we're like boring married people, but like, <laughs> don't we deserve to like have right. books that like kind it's of romanticize that a yeah. little bit? Like, you know, we, we, it, it's great. I love reading books about a meet cute, sure. but we're not hopefully ever going to have a meet cute ever again. You know, like that is like not in our future. So I, I feel like, first of all, the big answer is there is no accident that like the last seven books all we've written have been second chance romances. <laughs> like, we tend to relate more to characters yeah. who have history. Yeah. We are we are writing people who have have feelings that they you know have had for a long time, and maybe something has gotten in the way of them, or they've been separated, or there is a, a wedge in the relationship. But there are already feelings there, and it's about finding your way back to each other. Sometimes they're good feelings, sometimes they're bad feelings. You know, because even obviously we we have a great deal of that accrued emotional weight just in our marriage. But also we were we were best friends for years before we even started dating. So you know, characters who kind of know each other like the you know the turns of the road home is how we approach. Yeah characters I mean like it's so that's that's big um and then other than that just we just try really hard to notice stuff when you're around somebody for a long time you notice very specific things about them and so that should be what the characters notice about each other because mm -hmm. that's what it means to be hyper attuned to somebody yeah and we try to act like we're not really like putting our own thoughts and feelings into right. these books but like of course we are but like we're not gonna like say that because right. <laughs> to a certain I, degree yeah we're like remix, that. yeah you know, the ideas we all deal with you yeah know? but I have to say it was very funny when like we handed when his mom read do I know you and she was like wow that was I related I to was that so more than, more than any. Any. And you're like I'm Is that right? sorry about yeah. your marriage do we need to talk about that <laughs> do we need to sit down and have a family meeting mom like what's going <laughs> yeah. on well, and I am not normally a fan of second chance romances I like the meet cutes I'm not I've read too many second chance romances where I didn't connect with the characters I you know I wasn't a fan of writing whatever it may yeah. be and I was also my boyfriend and I we were best friends for five years before we started dating mm -hmm. and like I said when I 
because I listened to Do I Know You on audiobook and I read it at the same yeah. time because I was like, I got to finish this freaking book. It's so good. <laughs> like I said, it was just the stuff that you guys talked about. I've never, I've never read anything else by any other author. Sorry, authors, other authors I've had on here where I connected so much with it because like you said, when you're together for a long time, you go through phases mm-hmm. and it was really refreshing to read about a couple, especially in Do I Know You, that they've been through all of this before. You know, they've been together for a while. They've been married and they've gotten to that point where I will fully admit I've we've been at that point where it's just like we got to make a change like mm-hmm. because we don't have a choice. Like we're not giving up on this, but no. something's got to change. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like that book, I, I just... Well, thank you. Literally, I will I will just tell you thank you for writing this for literally Aww. 20 minutes of giving them the chance. <laughs> it's such an incredible book. Um, so I was like, I gotta, I gotta geek out and do my, <laughs> my appreciation spiel for that book. We so appreciate it. We really do. So with the breakup tour coming out, yeah. I'm I'm also a bookseller and it's one of the most anticipated books. That <laughs> literally of 2024, I get <laughs> a lot of people coming in asking about it. I'm <laughs> very, very excited to read it. Um, it's also very hard to get a copy of this yeah, book. Berkeley, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have literally, I have tried, I have some, some pretty good, you know, yeah, arcs. Yeah, right. I'm a part of trading groups on Facebook, you know, so we can get arcs that we like that we couldn't get. Otherwise, literally no one's given oh. it up. Like this book is, it's like the Holy grail of books this year. Uh-huh. How does it feel? Has it hit you guys yet? that this book is so anticipated like does it feel we don't believe anything no like we don't we just like we've been around this track 10 times divorce ourselves we're yeah. just like well a book's gonna come out I just try not to think about it we'll see what happens hope it's great it's kind of like that I feel like all writing is like your you have your hopes are huge but yeah. your expectations are in the gutter you know it's like you would you dream of everything happening but you, you are just like I'm going to, the book's going to come out and it's like, not going to be in bookstores, you know, like Some, that is like yeah. the way that you just like, have to convince yourself in order to because not ever be disappointed. <laughs> there have been ups and downs like yeah. throughout our career. And it's just, it's just better to hope for whatever will eventually happen. <laughs> just, and just know that you can write it yourselves. Like we're writing the next thing. And we're just like focused on that. We're just right. like, oh yeah, I guess the book is coming out right. and we're just going to try, we'll promote it. But really we're just focusing on like what we are currently writing. We hope it's a fun read. It's the same. It's the same as you're saying with with Do I Know You. Like we just we have an intention of how we we hope that it reaches readers and what they hope what we hope that they feel from the story. And that is what we are willing to hope is that that happens. <laughs> yes. Well, it must be happening and it must be good because, like I said, I've literally offered uh, pieces of my soul to people. <laughs> like, hey, I'll give you this arc and this arc and a small piece of my soul. You want to trade? And they're like, mm, <laughs> sorry, I don't want to get rid of it. So. <laughs> people are clearly absolutely loving it. And yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I haven't read it yet and it's rumored. I don't know if it's been confirmed. I'm sure it's been confirmed that it's in, it was influenced by a certain singer songwriter. Okay. Taylor Swift, we're just going to go with T Swift. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how did you, I know that you kind of talked about already how you came up with the idea for the book, but how was the, that process for it? Because it was influenced by obviously this huge, yeah celebrity how was that um it was in the red taylor's version era Mm -hmm. that we were like coming up with this i feel like it was like we had just pitched it 
or we were working on pitching it when when it came out and we just like I mean all too well is like our favorite Taylor Swift song and we were listening to like the 10 minute version and we were just like imagine that this was written about someone who wasn't who it was actually written about like imagine it was written imagine you were a regular person right and the biggest person in the world wrote a song like this about you like what would that meets hey there delilah what would that be the lottery you know yeah like what would that be like to listen to that song yeah years later and be like this is about me and so that was the inspiration point um for like the concept essentially You know, it's Taylor is really like it's not just something that we love her, her music. It's also really like an exemplar of what we seek to do as artists and what we as admire as artists. It's like like Shakespeare or Jane Austen or something. It's it's pop poetry and it's both at the same time and it doesn't really sacrifice any one for the other. And that's always what we have aspired to write. And so she's a very inspiring figure to write about because it's very close to our own creative hearts. We're also we're also big music people, and it it should go said that while Riley is most inspired by Taylor, there's still other people that we go mean her, her to yeah. be a fusion of of all these singer songwriters that we love, and that you can sort of imagine a hypothetical person that that weighs more toward whichever one is your favorite. It's it, you know? we've always been. I mean, like like the roughest draft. We're interested in the idea of artists who are like processing their feelings in a piece of art that is consumed by a lot of people because they feel like you're being so vulnerable and all these people are like reading into everything that you have put into your book or your song like that is just something that's really interesting to us probably because we do it too you know you mm-hmm. put yourself into as your- a writer yeah yeah and so it is like fascinating this idea of like where is the line between like your life and your art and like we just keep interrogating that from like different angles and so that is it's funny to say that we can you know relate to somebody whose choice of condiments lights up the empire state building but we do relate to taylor in that specific way well writing is it's a very vulnerable thing you take these experiences whether you want to or not you know what whether you're feeling a certain way that day or not it it influences your writing and it is a very vulnerable thing especially when you write scenes that you connect with personally, you know, things that you've gone through or yeah. whatever, how did you guys, how long did it take you to kind of find that line? And how did you guys find that line of, okay, this is too much of us that we're putting in this or, Hey, like we gotta, we gotta dig a little deeper here because <laughs> I mean, was there a point where you guys wrote something and it was like, this is way too, way too personal. We can't, we can't do did this. Ever, I feel like keep ourselves to sort of like like an an implicit limit to where like if a character has got one thing where we can feel in ourselves that we're really putting that thing into our character we don't like do it again and just load them up with like all the crap we're doing (laughs) it's like okay you can have this piece of my you get one right exactly and then somebody else is going to get the other there are other characters for that yeah and so we kind of ration it yeah and sometimes like we will we like this character is like not like deep enough yet and then of course like what do you fill in a character of course it's going to be something in your own life like you don't create in a vacuum like it's coming from your own experiences so of course something will go in and you'd be like uh-huh yeah <laughs> that's what I was dealing with <laughs> do you guys ever find that writing is cathartic like if you're going through something and you sit down and you're and you you know you write it out do you ever feel like hey okay I feel better I now that I put it down and then quickly delete it all but I mean it's not (laughs) like it gets published I think that it makes us able to like 
laugh and joke yeah. to each other yeah. about it because like some, like Austin will do something I'll be like mm, yeah not surprised to see that <laughs> you know like yep. it'll be a and then you just have to laugh about it and you're like yep that's the current trauma right now yeah, exactly <laughs> oh we're back to this plot line guess it's my fingerprints on you <laughs> I think that we're we're also I also am very proud when I have put the right words to something that has been in the back of my head for a long time and that isn't catharsis exactly but it's making it's making lemonade what has been the hardest book or scene for you guys to write individually or you know as a couple the sex scenes the sex scenes are really hard for us we do hard to write the first things that we <laughs> wrote separately it's funny it doesn't make it easier the fact that we're romantically it makes it worse it makes it, it, it makes, makes it worse <laughs> yeah it makes because it worse. what we're talking about right. it feels like you're trying to like give hints or like whatever right. like i'm trying to do my job i'm trying to do my job like you're looking at me like like because yeah. it's very it's very bare and so the degree to which you have any kind of intermixing of your own feelings there it makes it very difficult like I said, we don't want to ever walk away from the writing and it makes it very difficult to do the job when we are thinking about like other things. Yeah. When you guys started writing romance, did you guys know you wanted to write more open door romance? Or did uh, it just naturally happen with the characters? I felt like we were just like, we have it's to. It's commercial. Yeah, we were just like, that is- We what... wanted to reach a similar market as other authors who write in that way. But we didn't, we definitely were like, look, we are like open door, but we're not like, you're not like in the room, you know, like there's not- yeah. Like, but we because that is just a level that we are not able to do and some writer we talk to writers and that's their and favorite part it. and that is great yeah. and they provide those books for everybody else but that would be a chore for us so like we do it in the way that we are comfortable with and you know it was also we were when we started writing romance we had written a bunch of YA books and so it was nice for us to do anything that was like a little bit different than YA and in YA like we don't we don't write open door sex scenes we don't yeah. do that um, we have like our characters will have sex but it is a fade to black like for to <laughs> go on um and so anything that was like an opportunity to be different was a good refreshing challenge for us yeah so what has been the most memorable moment of your guys's publishing career because oh you guys have had a lot of you guys have published several books by this point you guys have written very wonderful books you know was it like the first time that you guys got an agent was it the first time you finished a book like what looking back now was just like oh my god that was amazing we've sold a book to a publisher has been really some of them I would say have been recent I think we we had a we had a we had a rough year professionally it was it was funny because like the year the roughest draft came out was like huge for our career but really also hard for our like behind the scenes career so it was like everyone it was like oh my god your career is like really taking off and it's like well yeah but it doesn't feel like that because we can't like sell another YA book you know like so because publishing moves like the things that are happening now are things that happened two years ago behind the scenes like you always like are dealing with two different things at one time yeah and so So, some of these some of these you know some of these past discussions I mean we like we had more doors closed in our face than we expected we had you know brushes close calls that are closer than you would have believed possible that we had to kind of get through and then when we had some some successes, some deals, some some sales of, of new projects in new genres, um, those have been some of the most memorable yeah, moments because I really feel like we fought hard. We're talking that. about our um, our YA heist coming out next year, which we were really excited to sell, and then this fantasy project that we've written with Bridget. Which... Yes, <laughs> we are going to talk about this because <laughs> I started off 
ever since I was a kid, I loved fantasy, but my fantasy, it had to have some kind of romantic interest in them or, and I'm still like that. If I read fantasy and it has no romance subplot whatsoever, I can't read it. I get really bored. Yeah. So, okay. So we're going to talk about this. So you guys are working with Bridget Morrissey under the pen name E.B. Asher, and I'm going to do read this little snippet here. It's called This Will Be Fun. It's a fantasy book, and it's being pitched as The Princess Bride Meets People We Meet on Vacation, both excellent books, for lovers of Shrek and Legends and Lattes, also amazing. I freaking love Shrek. And is about a group of friends who once saved their magical land together but haven't spoken in 10 years, reuniting to attend a royal wedding, then ending up on a new quest to defend the realm. Okay. How did this come? How did this come to light? How did this happen? How did you guys transition from romance to, hey, let's write not only a fantasy book, but let's write it with one of our good friends. <laughs> it definitely started Bridget first. It was just like, we were like, let's write a book with Bridget. Yeah. Like, that was the starting point was, let's write a book with Bridget. What would that be? And so we were kind of all like- Talking about our favorite Well, things. we like romance, right? but we already write romance like independently. So like why? And also like a romance between three three authors. It's like, a little tricky. What's happening? Yeah. What do you <laughs> why? That doesn't need to happen. So we were like, what kind of book would fit three POVs and like still be all the things that we love? And we organically do like, share a lot of Shrek jokes like we do in our Shrek group. is amazing yeah so good. as a 90s kid as yes. a 90s kid oh I God. freaking love Shrek so so good. yes so we were like I think it was, it was like we were like what if what would it we play this game too yeah. where we mash things up just for fun and like honestly you like you should you and your and your writer friend should do it, it <laughs> you take take two movies and crash them together like can you make the and concept see, out of that like, and like sometimes it's awesome you know if you go like if you go like you know hunger games meets oceans 11 like okay shit maybe you actually get something really cool like you well, know? That, that sounds amazing right yeah you know like, and then you start right up a little so we were like fantasy meets people we meet on vacation like, right that is where it started we were like people who haven't seen each other like what would that be and then it just like came from there honestly it was just a group chat discussion and we were just riffing and building on each other and started talking about you know how how much we we liked and were excited to see you know more but a very nascent amount of funny romantic fantasy and and fantasy that kind of looked at characters and events from a different perspective and so we fell more and more in love with the idea the more we talked about it well, Mackenzie, take note when we write a book together. Yes. We're going to, this is how we're going to do this. Yeah, we should. Two random it's, things and mash it up. Yeah. Jurassic Park meets Mad Max. Okay, sure. Okay. I'm not going to lie. I need a book now, though, that's Hunger Games and like Ocean's Eleven. I yes, need that I book now. Because yeah. I'm not going to lie. That, that sounds like fire. If you guys are writing it, I don't know if you guys are, but you guys totally yeah. should. The Ocean's Eleven part. I, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, you got the YA, the heist, yeah, the heist. whatnot. So, <laughs> so writing with two people you guys have obviously had practice working with obviously another individual on this whole thing how was it incorporating a third person in I mean it was a lot of fun Mm -hmm. we we really love talking to each other and um much as in our our little duo here everybody kind of brings their own perspectives and their own things that are important to them and characters that they like that maybe aren't like particularly your favorite characters and it's fun to see somebody else build one into your story that is you know it's all full of richness that you would have never thought of yourself because mm-hmm. you're yourself so it's been great it was yeah you know we have been friends with Bridget for a really long time and we have been fans of Bridget's for even longer yes. than that like we've we've always loved Bridget's books um we've known each other since like 2017 
And so it's just a lot of, there's a lot of mutual respect and admiration, which I think is like really crucial for like a writing collaboration because you, I, one, we trust her. Like we know Bridget is going to turn out something good and we don't need to be like sitting over her shoulder. Like she can do it. Like it is, she is, she is really good at it and we're going to really like it. And then two, it feels, it it's very like, it's a really fun process because since we do respect each other, there isn't a lot of like, we're not, we're not trying to like prove any points to each other. You know, we're, we're just trying to tell a story. So there's not a lot of ego involved on anybody's part. I feel like, yeah, which is what made it really um, smooth sailing for us. Yeah. We, we cranked it up pretty fast. on yeah. <laughs> Is it okay. I got to ask, I don't know if you can tell me this or not, but is it going to be a series or is it a standalone? We don't. We can't. We have hope. Yeah, we, we, have, we totally have hope. Yeah. But like, we just... When we sold it, our editor was like, and then maybe... The so potential. Da, da, like, la, la, la. Oh. It's very... Like, that is not something they tell you up front. Yeah. And so we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> we'll find out. Okay, I like that. I was like, I gotta ask. They probably can't speak to this, yeah. but I'm gonna ask. Uh, when you guys were drafting this, you guys weren't... You guys hadn't submitted anything, correct? Right. So being authors that are constantly coming up with these books on deadlines and stuff, how was the writing, how was it taking a step back from that kind of process and saying, okay, let's kind of take our time with this. Let's enjoy this. Let's try something new. Well, so we didn't get to take our time with it. We put together, oh. we did, uh, when we sold it, it was with 50 pages. So we wrote the 50 pages kind of on our own schedule. Gotcha. We, over over. we would just have like a weekend Zoom for like two hours yes. and we like brainstorm stuff. And then when three people are writing, the book gets done like pretty fast. And Super so it, fast. it's a little bit like ruins you for like not having yeah. somebody just like put in chapters that you don't have any like. Dang, I'm still yeah. on chapter 15. Yeah, it's like, dang, <laughs> we could wake up and Bridget's right. like, I put a new do- chapter in the document. And you're like, that's nice. The book's longer now. Yeah. Like I didn't do anything. Um, but then when we so we sold it in April and our publisher is really excited about it and it we we wrote it the whole book in like three months because to reach to meet the publishing schedule that they want which is to come out next year so we wrote it in like three months and it was but it was honestly the most fun because it was just like we love this genre we love the characters we love working with Bridget it was it was such a treat to get to do it even though it was on such a tight timeline what is your on average, what does your writing timeline normally look like? Is it about three months? Is it a little bit longer sometimes? Or does it just depend? It, it's like, like the, five months. Yeah, the actual like writing the book part, like four months, but there's usually some like outlining yeah. and ideation that comes before that, like from chapter one to the finish line, like four months. But for this, it was just like everything had to be done at one time. Yeah, we just had to do it. Was it weird to go from romance to fantasy to YA like is it is it weird like does it take time for you to readjust or is it just like hey we're excited about this let's do it it's really nice it's nice it's, it's fun it rejuvenates yeah it makes it else yeah it truly it does you a little time away you can yeah. like, miss it and like uh, there's a lot of romance and this will be fun like yeah. is there two romantic arcs like it is a oh yeah it is our Austin's and my characters have a romance and then Bridget's character has a second chance romance has, yeah ours <laughs> everything is second chance hey I don't care I'm gonna love yeah. it because oh, honestly yeah, like I said, I'm not normally a fan, but You're I know welcome. I'm gonna love it. Thank you. So that you know, it 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 it's not so different. It's just like there's 
um, magic. You can access all different yeah. registers of whimsy and the voice. And but you know, especially now we have we like our YA is like is like you know fun dark thriller, heist thriller. Our our you know adult contemporary romance is very like ordinary world, plain spoken people. And then this will be fun is is this whimsical fantasy. And so it really offers a very fresh palette each time yeah it's it's i mean it's i don't great. think we couldn't write three of one thing in a year yeah exactly. that would, you would just like hate it by the end and you'd get like, voice blur and stuff you'd get characters who don't feel like anybody it's yeah well it's like when i read for if i sit down and i read i go through phases i'll read four or five romances and then i i'll start another romance and i know it's a good book yes yeah, so like i, I just to return to this after yeah. i read something yeah. else yeah. yeah, and I swear I'm constantly reading like three or four books at a time because I'm a mood reader. Right. Uh-huh. And right. that's how it gets. And I get burned out. Yeah. Burned out, burned out, whatever. <laughs> uh and then once I go when I go back, you know, a month or two later, I'm like, oh my God, this is actually really, really good. Yeah. Um when you guys are writing and you, you submit a draft and it's a it's a you know, to your editor or whatnot, do you guys take a break? Do you guys work on a different project? <laughs> Both of you are like, no, no, we don't take a break. We, have not, we take the we, breaks that we can. We got a long break in 2022 we when we were figuring out what we were going to do. A very stressful break. And so that was like a long time where we didn't really have a lot to work on. Right. And we haven't had a break since then. So it has been. It's a very lucky problem to have. We really. Yeah. Emily's the schedule master. And, and so. you you get to the end of one thing and it's like okay here's the plan for the next thing and that's what I was going to ask you how do you guys juggle all of the stuff that you guys have going on because it really requires schedule. yeah yeah it really like and it's just being strict about it like it's like okay we need to write 5,000 words a week yep until this is done and then we got to switch and write 5,000 words a week of this other thing until that is done what gets tricky is you can't really predict when like edits are going to come in and like how big those edits are going to be. Yep. Yep. And so you just like, really just like, okay, let's figure this out. Time to rewrite. It can really like, go down the drain. If yeah. Things are, things are too much. Yeah. We're, we're very organized, you know, word counts, the X number of scenes done by this point, because it's, it's the only way we can get it done. And we just make ourselves the challenge and, and the game of, of being as inspired as we can be in those strictures and it helps that there are two of us and like you know normally it's somebody's responsibility to do x but if they are in a spot that they cannot do it the other person can pick it up so that we are very dependent on the partnership for that you said earlier how you kind of combat burnout you know you guys can switch between certain genres sometimes how do you guys deal with burnout though because you guys are constantly pumping out these books and these ideas and you're working on so many projects how do you guys deal with that? Because as someone yeah. who's slowly learning the writing process, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it's true. Like, I'll stop for a month or two and then I'll go back and I'll write for a month and I'm like, oh my God, I'm totally going to finish this. And that, you know, it doesn't happen. Yeah. Obviously, it's a little easier for me because I'm not on deadline. <laughs> but how do you guys push through that? How do you guys deal with it? We just keep we going. Pushed, we, we push through, through. Also, yeah. also like in terms of like emotionally like because you can be burned out and like still like sitting down at the, mm-hmm. the like doing your job it really helps me to be like you know what I'm not going to read what I'm supposed to read I'm going to read something that like I know I'm going to love because it's just like 
you have these like long lists of TBRs of like books that like you want to read, but not every book that you want to read is like going to like really, really inspire you. And sometimes you need to like go back and like read the Hunger Games or like something that is like you that made you want to be a writer in the first place and be like, I just need something that's going to like really like get me rejuvenated about this field and, you know, spark the fire again. Yeah. Yeah. We tend to, we tend to push through and I, 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 I feel like it's sometimes valuable for, for other people who are, you know, hacking their way through the writing journey as, as we all have done to hear that, it oftentimes it it feels like pushing. It feels like work. It doesn't feel like the story's writing itself flying out of your fingertips. And in my experience, it comes out better than you think that it will. That actually, if you if you do just sort of like apply yourself and and put words down without what feels like a rush of inspiration, your your intelligent brain is doing the work, even if your heart you're harder on yourself than you need to be usually you know I think I think that you, everybody you get too close to it and you start to be like I hate this I need to get away from it but and actually it's better than you think yeah. if you just keep you know sticking to it with discipline I do want to ask because I get a different answer to anyone you know that I talk to about this so when I'm writing if something if say I get writer's block Usually when that happens, it's because there's something previously in my work that is not sitting right with me. And as soon as I go back, and even if it's just a paragraph or how I start the scene, once I change that, it usually just starts flowing. Yeah. Is that what happens with you guys? I think that is exactly it. I think a lot of, I think that is like the key thing to realize that like writer's block is like, is like a go back sign. It's like mm-hmm. you there's something not working. This chapter wrong, or like your character made a choice a chapter ago that you can't move forward from because it was the wrong choice, and like you know that you can't generate a story based on this, and you just need to undo it and do something else, and then the story will move forward. That happens all the time. Every time I'm stuck on an outline, I'm like, okay, I need to just like do the opposite. Like, what did I what did I do wrong here? That's good. That gives me hope. <laughs> No, it's a good yeah, thing. I'm moving in the right direction. Okay. Because I think a lot of people are like, oh, I just need to like go outside and stuff. And like going outside helps, but sometimes it's like you need to make a change. Yeah. You fix. Yeah. What is a piece of advice that you guys would give to people who are writing their first book, who have gotten an agent, who are moving forward, but say their manuscript didn't sell, whatever it is, like what's the best piece of advice you can give to someone about writing and the publishing career? Um, I feel like there are so many, but right now I really feel like it is so important to like meet other people, you know, who are in the same boat and like build those networks because, you know, when we were facing a lot of rejection a couple of years ago, having friend groups that we could talk to and, and experience and hear that they've been through the same thing, you know, like it, it really, really helps. And also like with Bridget, like when you, when you have other people who you are really open and honest with, it also just makes you all better. Like, I feel like we all like rise to meet each other and like you, your peers like inspire you and make you better and you make your peers better and like, et cetera. And so it's just like a double win. Like you're going to have the emotional support that you need, but then you're also going to like get better because you just, you're surrounded by people who are also getting better. Yeah. I think that the other thing that we recommend sort of goes to the previous point, which is make goals for productivity and finish stuff. It it will probably come out better than you think, and it will teach you invaluable lessons in how to structure something. 
And then once you're done, you have, you know, it's it's like the horseshoes and hand grenades saying, if you have if you have nine tenths of a book metaphor. done, it doesn't you don't really have anything. But if you have ten tenths of a book done, whole different whole different ballgame. That you, okay. you have the thing, and you can edit it, you can pitch it, you can give it to people. So make yourself the goals and then finish it. Yeah, and I've heard that you just got to get the words on the paper. Yeah, like, the words once there. it's there. You can go back, you can edit, you can change sometimes, you know, yeah. but you got to get it down on the paper. Yep. Yes. Put it on, put it on paper. You'll, you'll, you'll get there. As an introvert, it's going to be so hard for me to make <laughs> more writing friends. Have, you have one that you might write with. So. I do. I do. I group chats that's, and stuff. That's, I do. One person. Yeah. I talk, you know, we have friends. We talk to just like one person. It's, it's, it's nice because we went through, we met in our master's program for popular fiction writing and publishing, and we've actually never met each other. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. but because she lives in Ohio and yeah. it's very inconvenient for me, yeah. but um, it's nice because she's really the only person in my life who actually understands yes. the writing it's process yeah. and understands like, oh my God, I'm going to pull all of my hair out. Like yes. this is driving me nuts. I just need to talk this out. I think I need to do this. What do you think? And it, it really does help to have someone who actually understands what you're going through. Like you said. Yeah. Okay. So end of interview questions. Okay. They don't need to be rapid. I've stopped calling them rapid fire questions. <laughs> what is your favorite genre to read? Oh my gosh. That's so hard because I really go between romance and then like romanticy. I'm just going to say both of those. Um, yeah, I like domestic fiction and suspense I like like Taylor Jenkins reads after I do I like stuff like Gone Girl I like stuff that is human-based in that way now if you guys could write one trope that you haven't written already <laughs> and you can have different answers for this what would it be uh I you can't use tropes that you've written about already that we don't no. know about <laughs> love trying you Austin wants to do a love trying I don't know Good. Oh uh, God! I feel like we have things that we talk it's about, but we don't. Um. Yeah, I mean, more just like true, like like enemies to lovers in a fantasy sense, mm -hmm. because like it's different than in a contemporary sense. Like true, like one yeah. each other enemies in fantasy. I feel like we have not obviously been able to do. Yeah, that doesn't translate. Doesn't really translate. It like, doesn't translate to regular like, like contemporary just, romance. Like, yeah. Maybe <laughs> Did you just, just translate? Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. So, what are you guys currently reading, and what's on your TBR list this month? I'm reading a uh, marvelous light, the Freya Mars Marsky. I yes. think that that is how it's pronounced. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry if I'm not saying her name right, but it is a lovely kind of like Regency whimsical fantasy. And I'm reading The Spy and I by Tiana Smith. Um, it's another great genre blend mashup action thriller comedy. It's it's a it's a lot comes of fun. Out She's in February. Yeah, it's like okay. CIA mistaken identities. So what's the next book that you guys are gonna read? That you think or that you want to read? To be honest, it kind of that like when the blurb requests arrive, that is what we read. Yeah, and when, whenever we can like sneak anything out um you know I just did read fourth wing so I am ready to like read the next one when it comes out which is like soon I was like I need to read it before the next one comes out because like everybody's talking about it like I just need to like right. understand yep I'm gonna <laughs> ask did you like it yeah okay you, I loved yeah. it I yeah. freaking loved it 
No, I'm excited for the next one. I'm ready. Yeah. Okay. So if you guys weren't authors and Austin, you can't say being a lawyer. Okay. <laughs> Because I know you're a lawyer. Um, if you weren't authors, what would you want to do for work? If you could have any job in the world. Any job in the world? Like, like something in film, like cinematography or something. I really like taking pictures and video. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe like the other side of like publishing, like agent or something that's like mm -hmm. not writing things but still connected to books still connected to it. okay so if you can invite one person over for dinner dead or alive who would you invite bridget um i i i mean probably like jane austen yeah probably that yeah shakespeare would be a little bit to talk to yeah, Jane Austen would be more more approachable. Yeah, more approachable. <laughs> talk to you. nice. Okay, so same type of English. Yeah, like, you know. <laughs> now, if you could invite any fictional person over for dinner, who would you invite? Oh my goodness, Resan. I gotta know his secrets. <laughs> yes. Oh, that makes me happy. That's a good answer. We'll say we have a whole our, a next book, which there is a chapter of it in the back of the breakup tour. Austin's answer is related to that. It is related. So I'll be cryptic about that. Sit down with the guys. So what's 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 going on, man? What's your deal? What's the <laughs> how do you make the magic happen? Okay. So basically what you're telling me is I need to have a child and then offer up my child in exchange for an arc of the breakup tour because I need this answer. I need it's, to know. No, what it's only in the finished copy. It, it's only Okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes me feel a little bit better then. Yeah. <laughs> I won't yeah. sell off my child. Yes, you can you can keep your soul. <laughs> I'll get I'll get my soul. Okay. <laughs> so where is a place that you guys haven't visited that you would like to? One domestically and one internationally. Hmm. Um we keep saying we want to go to Grand Canyon. Yeah, that's that. Which like I, I co sign. We that can answer. do that. Like we live in Los Angeles. Like we can go do that. We should just go do that. Yeah. We should just go. Um and then we've been talking about wanting to go to like Switzerland. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. Nice. You guys deserve a vacation. You guys work <laughs> so freaking hard. You guys absolutely deserve. Thank you. To to Switzerland. Now, what is currently bringing you joy? Um, the I'm we are like escape from writing is video games. Yeah. And so I am still playing um what the Tears of the Kingdom, the new Zelda game, which came out in like April. I am still playing that, and that is still bringing me joy. That is also bringing me joy. Also, I'm very into scented candles. Yeah. And so nice. I, I pick up all my favorite scented candles and they provide some zazz in my work day. Nice. I'm always the person at Target where I'm like in the candles. Like, oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, that oh, one smells good. Oh, no, I don't like that one. No. <laughs> I've gotten very curious about it. I have favorite yes. chandlers and stuff. Video game wise. Okay. Do you guys play the same game and like play to your strengths and weaknesses or do you guys do we your own games? Now more I watch. I, yeah, I mean, always like I am a better yeah video I, game I'm, I'm pretty like, handy, but like, I'm pretty pretty faster. So, yeah, <laughs> that's good to know because my boyfriend and I, when we play, like it's, we're big Assassin's Creed people. Oh, yes, and I, people! I love oh, Assassin's Creed. That was like one of the first. True, I love Ezio, just yeah, like character I mean, wise, of course. But 
I love Origins because I love ancient Egypt. Yes, I yeah, just Origins replayed it because it's such a fun setting. Don't okay. Get I have been wanting to replay that for literally two months. So I think this is the sign. And you should get the new DLC. Pharaoh. Get the Pharaoh DLC. Yeah. It's very cool. It's really cool. Yeah. There's like a something about Pharaohs and it's like a very- There's a new city and yeah. there's all kinds of other it's interesting fun. locations. I don't need to be productive for the next three weeks. No, <laughs> no I'm going to, I need, I need to play it. And yeah. like, I, I love, I love going in and I just love like stabbing everyone, but yeah. he's really good at the sneaking around, the you know, the actual assassination. Yeah. And so we learned, cause if not, I get very frustrated yes. when I play video games. And so we learned to play one game. And then we just switch off because if not, he gets really annoyed when he has to go in and brawl all these people. And I'm like, I got him. I'm going to kill them all. And I'm terrible at sneaking around and assassinating people. Um, what is, what's your favorite video game to play of all times? Um, Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah. Very nice. Party yeah. But we are going to start Baldur's Gate when, if, when we finish Zelda when I hear that there is a very hot vampire to like seduce in Baldur's Gate so that will will be important to us. Yeah. very nice <laughs> so I gotta ask are you gonna buy the new Assassin's Creed when it comes out yeah play it? although it's well, like a little bit are... different because it's not really like I love the like big world yeah. exploring and this seems a little bit smaller but I'm sure we'll still play it it looks cool yeah I don't we haven't quite decided yeah how we feel about it they you know should I mean? do another big open I world. I want a big world. Just, they should just do that again. Yeah. But if you could play, like, if you wanted them to create one Assassin's Creed game around a specific world, yeah. what would it be? We, we talk about this a lot. South America. Yeah. Like, that would, that like, would be cool. That'd be so cool. Let's do some Aztec stuff. That would be like, nice. We want to see that. We also, like, feudal China or Japan, I think would be very cool. Yeah. That's, that's one that I think my boyfriend and I have been wanting. We've been talking about that for a while. We're like, I just wish, I want to be a samurai. Yeah, yeah, I know. Like, we yeah, played Ghost of Tsushima, and like the concept and the execution are beautiful, but the gameplay is a little sad. It's not as like let's let's get an Assassin's Creed one. Yeah, come on, come on, Assassin's Creed, come on, Ubisoft, get this, get your stuff together. Well, <laughs> thank you guys so so much. I absolutely love chatting with you. Thank you for letting me geek out a little bit, um, yeah. and thank you for letting me pick your brains. Honestly, it's been an absolute honor to chat with you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us, and we wish you the best of luck on your book. Super. Thank exciting. you. Yes. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And before I sign off, I just wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to tune in. If you want to stay up to date on episodes and announcements, please subscribe or follow me at The Real Bookish Writer or at The Well Read Podcast on Instagram. Thank you again for listening and have a magical day. See you next week.